Good morning, Gate Church. Come on, are you glad to be together in the house of the Lord today? Those of you online, welcome to the Gate Church family. God is doing great things in July of 2021. And we're just thankful for the Spirit of God. How many thankful for our praise team and the, their leadership in the, in the worship time? Can you just give them a big shout out? Thank you, Pastor Ashley and the team. I'm trying to, I try to keep up with Ashley's fashion sense. So I always, you know, watching with his patent leather shoes there, his Nike. So I'm trying to keep up, Ashley. I'm just trying to keep up, man. We want to say hey to Pastor Kathy, who's joining us online today. She's having some time away this summer. I mean, you know, it's good when your lead pastor gets some time. Just relax. And we just love on her and tell her thank you for being a part of just loving on us and taking some time for herself. We're excited to have her back very soon. I believe she'll be back next week. But God's got a word in the house today. Do you believe that? I'm just so thankful for the testimonies that just keep popping up. I know several weeks back we just had a prayer service and God spoke a word over our house that there'd be miracles popping up over places. Be a miracle pop over there and a miracle come up over there. How many of you had a breakthrough, a miracle in the last like 30 days? You say, God's done a miracle in my life. I, I want to share one with you. That was kind of weak. Surely there's more. Well, let me just hit, give you one. How about that? Now, I want to share with you and those of you online, just be encouraged today. When we pray, we are getting involved in what God is already doing. When we pray, we're not begging God to do something. We're just getting involved with what he's already doing. We're just opening up our eyes. And I, I know a, a, one of our church family sent us a, uh, an email just recently. I want to share it with you about a testimony. We've been praying for her son who had been dealing with addiction and had some relapse. And, you know, when God does something in your life, you see a breakthrough. Sometimes it's followed by some type of fall, some type of, of, uh, of attack or fallout. And you think, well, did God really answer prayer? You just got to stay in faith in those moments. And there's nothing like a good praying mama. I don't know if you know about that. I know about that. That, that won't give up when things don't look like they're going to work out. And so this praying mama, she kept praying. She said, I just want to tell you how God has been blessing us. After a recent relapse with my son, he got out of rehab for the second time in April. And he was able to go back to a sober living house that he had been at before and his job who in his relapse, he failed in his job. His job says, we're going to give you your job back. She said at the first of July, he was able to get his own apartment about eight blocks away from the job he was working at, but he didn't have a car. The homeless Alliance helped him and they paid, listen, they paid his first and last month's rent deposit and they paid for his electricity deposit so he can get into that house. Then people just started calling him to give him furniture for his house. He'd been sleeping on the floor and somebody says, I'm going to give you a bed and I'm going to deliver the bed to you. Now I'm going to tell you something. I don't know what's more miraculous. Somebody giving you a bed or saying they're going to move it in. I mean, you know, both of those things are miracles. And he was able to get a washer and dryer for his apartment. Then he got promoted on his job. He got promoted on his job starting Monday and he got a raise at his promotion and he needed a way to get to and from training. So he was having to pay for an Uber 
to get to and from his training for his job promotion. So he's paying $16 a day. She said, on Tuesday night, God provided the money my son needed to go get himself a car. And they actually financed him just literally days out of rehab. They were supposed to wait six months on the job before they would agree. And they said, we're going to waive that. We're going to finance you. We're going to get you in a car. And today he's driving a car. He's got a house. He's got a job. He's sober. If it was your miracle, you'd shout. If it was your breakthrough, you'd shout. You'd say, that's the God that I serve. If he can take somebody who lost everything and said, I'm going to put it back, I'm going to put it back, I'm going to put it back, he can do it for your life. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I want us to read together God's word. I believe God has a word in the house. I want you to be encouraged today. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to share out of the life of Elijah. I'm going to be reading out of the Common English Bible, Common English Version. You can read out of whatever you have. It'll be on the screen as well. But I want to talk to you today about the seasons in your life that you're dealing with a shaking. You're dealing with displacement. You're, you're dealing with the unknown and the uncertainties of life. And we're in a series. We're talking about shakable world, but an unshakable God. We're talking about where we find our anchor in seasons of uncertainty. And I want you to look with me in, in the first Kings chapter 19. I want you to look at verses eight through 13. Can you read with me? We'll show it on the screen starting in verse eight. The Lord said, eat something because you have a difficult road ahead. I can just stop right there and just tell you, you, you got to have something inside of you to make it on the journey ahead. If you're going to have an unshakable season, you can't go on fumes. Eat something. Now, when the Bible says eat something, I just get excited. I just say yes and amen. Eat something because you have a difficult road ahead. Elijah got up and he ate and he drank and he went and refreshed by the food for 40 days and nights until he arrived at Horeb, God's mountain. Verse nine, there he went into the cave and he spent the night. The Lord's word came to him and said, why are you here, Elijah? And Elijah says in verse 10, Elijah replied, I've been very passionate for the Lord, God of heavenly forces, because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars and they have murdered your prophets with the sword. I and only I am the only one left. And now they want to take my life too. Verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord. And the Lord says, the Lord is passing by. Somebody needs to just jot that down and underline it in your Bible. The Lord is passing by. God is sending you to a place. And he said, I'm going by that place. A very strong wind tore through the mountains and it broke apart the stones before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And and after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And even after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, come on, there was a sound. 
after the earthquake, after the wind, after the fire, there was a sound. I'm telling you, somebody's going to hear a sound today. There was a sound, and, and, this, and my version says it was thin and it was quiet. <laughs> and Elijah heard it, and when he did, he wrapped himself in his coat, and he went out and stood at the cave's entrance. I want to talk to you today about the cave of formation. The cave of formation, finding God in the shaky places of your life. Why don't you high five or a fist bump a neighbor say, get to the cave, get to the cave, get to the cave. Thank you, Sarah. Amen. We oftentimes come to seasons of our lives when the pain that we experience is not actually an attack of the enemy to be rebuked, but it's a sign from God pointing us to the open door. There are seasons of your life that feel displaced, they're, they're uncomfortable, they're tensions, they are shaking, they are difficult, but we often treat them like they are, they are attacks of the enemy to be rebuked or pushed away when God's saying, I'm using that to give you an open door. I'm trying to push you out of your comfort zone and push you towards my open door. How many of you realize we won't often move out of our place of comfort into God's promise until it gets a little discomfortable for us? The, the birds in the nest won't leave until what? Until the eagle starts one by one pulling the feathers out that once made it comfortable until sitting and laying down and relaxing and just being in that place is no longer an option. I want to say to somebody today that God has put you in this place of discomfort so that he can get you to his place of promise. There's a, there's a struggle on the inside of us to make sense of what God is doing. And when he's taking us to the place of constancy, of trust, everything around us is shaking, but we need to learn to put our eyes on the promise. In our instant gratification, comfort-driven culture, we have been conditioned to avoid the shaking places. And so when we hear the story of God, when we read the story of God, what we realize is that God doesn't deliver us from the trial. He delivers us through the trial. He doesn't take you out of your pain. He leads you through your pain. In fact, in Matthew 4, we learn of Jesus himself that when God was shaping the life of the Son, he, he says in verse chapter, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So whatever is true for Jesus, whatever is the model of Jesus is true for us. God will, by the Holy Spirit, lead you to a place of tight and discomfort and shakiness so that you can learn what is true. There are things in your life that need to be shaken that you can't take into the next place. There are things in your hands that you have a hold of that unless God shakes your world, you won't let go of them. Even better, God doesn't just deliver us from us, he goes with us. You, you know the story of Daniel. Daniel and his friends are serving God, and because they serve God, they get thrown into a fiery furnace. And in chapter 3 of Daniel 24, there was a fourth man. Come on, somebody. There was a fourth man in the furnace, and he had the appearance of the Son of God. How many of you realize you may feel alone, but you're not alone? You may feel like you've been abandoned, but your feelings and your emotions are not an indication of the work of heaven. 
We often struggle in our lives to get our emotions and our perceptions in line, but that's what I was talking about before. Prayer helps get you to a place where your eyes are open to what is real, what is true, what is happening around you in the heavenlies, in the kingdom. And so when I get in the presence of God, my emotions begin to line up, my vision begins to line up with what God is doing. And instead of my confession being, I'm lost, I'm alone, I don't have anybody with me. I begin to say, God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? If I'm going down one time, I'll come up 10 more. If there's one against me, there's 10,000 for me. That's the God that I serve. And I awaken my spirit through prayer and presence and worship to the reality and the truth of God's ever-present hand, His working presence in my life. I remember at the end of uh, last year as, as I was doing some training for a race and, and getting prepared and I wanted to be physically ready for this, for this, uh, this uh, obstacle or goal I'd set, I injured my shoulder. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know about any of you who are getting older, but things start to happen when you get older. And I'm learning, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm here, my confession today, I'm learning. There are things that used to not bother me that bother me now. 22 years of marriage yesterday to this beautiful lady on the front row. 22 years, my best friend, my life coach. She's like, no, we don't life coach. 22 years and a lot has happened. And a lot's going on in this body of mine that wasn't going on before. So I, have, I, I get this injury and I want relief right away. Can I, can I get an amen? Now, I'm a good Pentecostal. The first thing I did was say, in Jesus' name, I rebuke that pain. You get out. Shad's my coach, and he helps me with form and technique. And I know he, had, he, had, he and I, we look at each other. We connect. We feel it. He feels me because we've been having pain that we're not used to. And it just don't go away when you rebuke it in the name of Jesus. See, I wanted a prayer line to get me out of my pain, but it turns out there are things that I learned through this process about my body, about caring for myself, about pacing myself, about being someone. There's wisdom that comes through the process that you can't get in the prayer line. Somebody needs to hear that. There are things you can't get by going around the pain. There's wisdom in the process. And when I'm struggling to understand why God's doing it, I'm learning to say, Lord, what are you saying to me through my pain? What are you saying to me through my process? What I realized what God taught me was valuable and I couldn't have it any other way. So I learned to bless the journey instead of cursing my place. Some of you need to hear that today. You're at a place of displacement. You're shaky. Things are falling apart and you're cursing the very thing that God has named to bring you into your promise and to cause you to be ready and prepared for the place of promotion. I don't want to go into a place of promotion only to lose it because I don't have the depth in my life and the breadth in my life to sustain that. How many of you realize God give you a promise and it's too soon and you're not ready? It will kill you. It will destroy your life. My son is 16 and, and he has lots of commentary on his dad and the things that I do. This is what 16-year-olds do. They let you know. Yes how your life could be improved. 
Those of you who don't have teenagers yet, or maybe you were one, it's, it's just commentary. You should do this. So he's 16 and he's learning to drive. So he has lots of commentary on my driving. Now, I got friends on the front row and I'm sure they are ready at any moment to take the microphone and they all rode with me. So I, I don't claim to be the best driver, but I'm alive and my family is too. Come on, somebody. And I, and I, and I did get a ticket in Piedmont, but I went to the court and I begged, I begged forgiveness. If you ain't got a, pit, a ticket in Piedmont, you really hadn't lived. Because <laughs> those of you online, maybe you don't know, but Piedmont, they love to get tickets. It's a, it's a fundraiser. <laughs> Lord, Lord, forgive me. God bless all the law enforcement officers. I love you. I, I, I'll, I'll slow down. Piedmont's really not that big. If you just slow down long enough to go through there, you'll be fine. He's got lots of commentary on, on me and my driving, but if I turn over the keys to him right now, before the process of, of learning and training and having to sit there and listen while I critique his driving and give him some pointers and help him get some experience, then he will likely be in an accident or be at a place where he doesn't know what to do. It's the process that's going to prepare him for the day when I hand him the keys. It's the process of your life that God is using to get you ready for the keys of his promise. God wants to take you to a place of fulfillment, but God's not leading you to a victory so you can run victory to victory. He's more interested in the person you are becoming in the process than what you will get once you arrive at your day of fulfillment. God is a God of formation. Somebody say formation. And he takes us through seasons of formation. What's interesting to me, if, you, if you're reading here with me in 1 Kings 19 about the life of Elijah and his story is that Elijah, when we read in verse 19, if you'll back that up just one chapter, if those of you who've been around church for a while, you heard stories of Elijah. Elijah's just had a major victory. Verse 8, chapter 18, he's had an incredible victory of God showing up in his, in his life. He's a prophet. He's, he's one of the very significant uh, Old Testament prophets, Elijah, Elisha. We have some other prophetic books, but they, in terms of living out the, the miraculous and, and, uh, and having a sign of the coming kingdom, these, these are, are fundamental to our understanding who Jesus is and what God's doing. And Elijah has this major victory. Now watch this. He's confronting the prophets of Baal. And uh, if you remember this story, those of you who've been in church a while, the story goes that he, he sets up this scenario where Israel has disobeyed the covenant of God. They've fallen away from God. And there's, there's a, a king and a queen called Ahab and Jezebel. And they are leading the nation away from God, Elijah stands up and he says, this is not the way of God. And this in Baal is, which is this kind of God of, of desire and God of our own making is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Elijah says, let's set up two altars, one altar for the God of Baal, and one altar for, the, for Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and not only that, he says, in a time of drought, I want you to douse the altar that, that, that we're praying for for God. I want you to douse it with water. And then the story goes that as he begins to pray, the prophets of Baal cut themselves and nothing happens. The fire doesn't come down from heaven. The, the altar, the sacrifice is not consumed. But Elijah prays, and on this water-drenched altar, altar God, 
God sends fire from heaven and consumes the sacrifice, proving that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all creation. And what an amazing miracle God is doing. And so Elijah rises up and he has this moment. He's like, yeah, you better bet God's got my back. This is the God of all creation. And he's on this amazing high. And in the beginning of verse of chapter 19, he gets a message from Jezebel who says, if I don't do what you did to the prophets of Baal in 24 hours, then you will be, then, then I'll be surprised because I'm coming to kill you and take your life. And the very, after this amazing victory, out of this incredible high in Elijah's life, he runs in fear. And I don't know about you, but I'm trying to put myself in Elijah's. I mean, I imagine in the midst of this, this miracle, he's praying for fire to come down from heaven and, and consume this water-soaked sacrifice. I'm, I got my fingers behind my back. That's me. I mean, I'm just like, I believe you can do it. But if you don't, it's me against 450. And there's going to be a problem. But God does that. God does this amazing miracle and he's on this high, but immediately when he gets threatened, when he has a season of shakiness, he falls away and is discouraged. And the Bible says he begged for his own life to end. Isn't it amazing how just when we think we are on a high with a testimony of victory, that's when we are most vulnerable. That's when we are most vulnerable to abandon the process. Because see, we weren't made, I want you to hear, somebody needs to hear this today, we weren't made to live from victory to victory. Somebody needs to hear that today. You're trying, you're trying to get your next victory when God's more interested in the process leading you to that victory. You're interested in God trying to resolve the tension and God says, I'm making you ready because the victory is not about you, it's about Jesus. The victory is so you can say, this is the God that I serve. You can serve him too. I want you to read this with me. We'll show you on, this, on the screen. First Kings chapter 19, 1 through 4. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And now he, he had killed, how he killed Baal's prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent messenger to Elijah with this message. May the gods do whatever they want to me. If by this time tomorrow, I haven't made your life like the life of, the one, of one of them. Verse three, and Elijah was terrified. He got up and he ran for his life and he arrived at Beersheba in Judah and he left his assistant there. He himself went further in, into the desert a day's journey and he finally sat down under the solitary of a broom bush. Boom, boom, a broom bush. He longed for his own death. Isn't that amazing? Off this incredible victory and he longed for its own death. And he says, it's more than enough. Lord, take my life because I'm no better than my ancestors. Lord, I'm so depressed. I'm so discouraged. I feel like I'm speaking to somebody right now. I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I want my life to end because it's not worth it. This is on the back end of a major victory. This is on the back end of seeing God do something incredible in his life. Elijah says, I want my life to be over. And I want to say to you today, whatever situation that you're in, whatever you're struggling with, your life has value. As long as you're breathing, you are an opportunity for a miracle. 
as long as you keep on pressing, you have not lost. You're actually just in line for overcoming, for breakthrough. As long as you press just a little further, somebody just say press a little further. If I go just one more day, you just feel like I can't make it. Let me say something to you. Maybe you're online. You can make it one more day. You can push one more day because it's through that process. Can, let me just say to you, the intensity of the process that you're facing is, is relative to the victory and to the strength and to the breakthrough God's bringing into your life. I know Pastor Kathy was with us last week, and I won't, won't tell all the things, but she talked about it feels like one thing after another, one thing after another, one thing after another. And you've got to believe that when it's one thing after another, that whatever you're getting ready for has got to be big. It's got to be something that God's going to do that you can't explain. How many of you are looking for a miracle in your life that you can't explain? Something that you don't have words for. Something that you can't explain how it happened that was out of your control, but God did it. All you can say is, I don't know how he did it, but God did it. I don't know how God delivered me from addiction, but God did it. I don't know how I made it through that trial, but God did it. I don't know how this devastating moment could actually make me better, but God did it. I don't know what God's doing in my life, but I don't want to shortchange the process. I don't want to shortchange the season of formation in my shaky place. Watch this. When you try to survive in the power of your own victories, instead of anchoring yourself in God, you'll always be driven by fear rather than faith. Let me say that again. When you try to survive just by your victories, in other words, when you just keep fixing your eyes on when things were good, you, instead of anchoring yourself in the goodness of God, I'm going to preach to somebody. Somebody's going to hear this today. I know things were good. You had an amazing miracle. You had a breakthrough. You had God. You remember them days when things were going so good and all the things were well and we had all the money we needed and we had all these amazing things happening at my job and we long, we get nostalgic. Somebody hear me today. We get nostalgic for old victories instead of anchoring ourselves in the God who is the God of the victory. When you do that, when you have your focus, listen to me, when you have your focus on the victories that happened in your life instead of the God of the victory, your life begins to operate out of fear-driven reality. Why? Because you don't, you're afraid that it won't happen again. Well, let's, let's tell the truth, shame the devil. You're afraid that it won't happen again or that you won't be enough or that you don't have enough. You get your eyes like Peter is while trying to walk on water. You get your eyes off of the God of victory and on the circumstance and you realize that it is not me. I don't have enough. It's short. I run short when I reconcile life based on what's in me and my life begins to be fear driven rather than faith driven. Now that this might be a theological concept that, that, that misses some people. And I want to make sure we make it clear in the room. Faith is something God puts in you. He, he releases in you the truth of who he is. And when you begin to focus on him, your faith is stirred. When you begin to focus on the God that provides, the trust in you turns up. And you begin to look at him knowing that it doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter what circumstance I'm facing. My faith says I'm anchored in God. 
I'm anchored in Jesus. That's why we can't spend all of our time singing and worshiping about the things that make us feel good. When we sing and worship about the God who is good, our eyes begin to be fixated on the God of victory instead of the ongoing victories that we've experienced. Nothing wrong with them. You, here's the thing, let me just give you some practical advice. You celebrate the victory because you remind yourself of the God you serve. So you celebrate the victory and then you turn your eyes again to Jesus. Why? Because the victory doesn't define you. Your last victory does not define you. If you let it, it will. You will be someone who used to be, who used to have, or you will be fit inside of a box that God longed for you to get out of a long time ago. Instead of my life being formed and framed by my victory, I let Jesus form and frame my life. And that way, whenever he does something new, I just say, well, that was nice, but I'm stepping over here because God has a bigger frame. And no one understands that, and everybody, it doesn't make sense to everybody, and they just think, why don't you just stay doing what you were doing? I can't stay there because that's not who I am anymore. I'm going somewhere. I'm walking somewhere. God's processing my life. I'm taking it into another level because this is where God's leading me. Not in fear, but I'm in faith. Somebody say, I'm in faith. It's in the times when God is about to birth something new in your life that he will often hide you in this place of formation and process. That's why you can't curse that moment because it's in the, somebody, this is a word for somebody today. As I prayed, I felt this. It's in the season where you're thrown into the cave and you don't know what to do and it's dark and you feel like the shaking is going on around you that you need to know that is the preface for a miracle. That is the season that is giving you an awareness that something miraculous is about to happen. It's a season of formation, but it's a sign to you that God is bringing breakthrough all around you. Psalms 27.5 says this, that God will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high on a rock. He will hide me in the shelter. It's in the cave of his presence, the cave of the deep work of God that God takes us, he hides us, and he says, I don't know, I I know you don't know what's going on, but I know what's going on. So I'm going to put you right here, and it might seem like everything else is falling around you, but you're in line for a promotion. You're in line for a new day in your life. You're in line for a process. God is preparing you. This is a a word that really came to us and my wife and I in this season. God is preparing you for a place he's prepared you for. God is preparing you now in the cave for a place that he's preparing for you. Now here's where we get, here's how we get out of line. We start taking all of our energies and we start putting it to the place that he's preparing. We start trying to figure out how's God going to get us there? How's God's going to work it out? How am I going to get out of this situation that I'm in? Instead of saying, God, I want to be, I'm interested in what you're doing to prepare me. God, what are you saying to me today? Where do I need to be so that you can speak to my heart and shape and mold me into the man that's ready for the place that you prepared for me? 
Whenever you make that transition out of a season of formation, you need to be ready for that day. And it's God that's shaping you in that time of formation so that you can move into that moment of breakthrough. We don't want to waste our energy on trying to work out the place instead of resting in the cave of his presence. We don't want to waste time trying to work out how God's going to solve this issue. I'm going to say to you today, this is for somebody, you need to listen to that today. You, you need to turn your energies away from how God's doing it to what God's doing in you. Turn your attention away. And when you do that, faith begins to rise and you no longer are led by fear. You, some of you have been looking for answers to try to tell everybody else. You don't owe anybody an explanation. You don't owe anybody an explanation. In fact, if you try to explain it to yourself, you're going to get all confused. It's not going to make sense. You just got to say, by faith, I believe you're doing a work in my life. And so I'm going to get still for a moment and say, God, surround me in your shelter. Cover me in your presence so that I can be hidden in you. And I don't have to be exposed trying to explain to everybody something that I don't even understand yet. There are seasons of your life where you won't be able to understand it and you certainly can't explain it. But that time is coming. In the meantime, set yourself in a place of formation. Put yourself in a place where God is forming and shaping you and breathing life on the inside of you. So let me share these three things with you and then I want you to, I want you to respond to what God's saying today. How do we respond as men and women of faith in a time of shaking. What do we do? Write these things down. Number one, in a time of shaking, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide myself at the place of God's presence. I'm going to, my response in times of shakiness, I'm going to hide myself at the place of God's presence. Elijah moved from the wilderness desert to Mount Horeb, it's the actual, it's a place where you may recognize the, the, the name uh, Sinai, Mount Sinai, the place of God's revela- revelation. God reveals himself. God moves him to this, this mountain range, this space into this cave where God revealed himself. So what do we see in Elijah? What we see is this, is that there are times in your life when fear grips a hold of you and you run out into the desert and you feel like you're going to be alone. You feel like you're going to die and you want to die, but God sends an angel of provision for you. And he says, I'm going to feed you water and I'm going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you water and I'm going to feed you bread because you've got a journey ahead. You know, if you read back there in verse, in chapter 19, that there is a 40 day and 40 night period between the time that he's in the wilderness leading to the cave. That's, that is a biblical number or or a biblical picture of a time of trial and processing that God's leading you. You might be in that space, but I want to tell you today that God is giving you strength for the journey and he's leading you. Listen, what do you need to look on the horizon? Can I say something to you today? Don't look for an oasis of water and, and some sort of heavenly Eden. Find the cave. There's a part of me that wants to find the oasis, but I know God's leading me through the wilderness not to find the oasis. I'm going to find the cave. Somebody's got to hear that today. I want to find the place of God's presence. I want to anchor myself and hide myself in the shelter where God is surrounding me so that I can do this. I can make praise my constant. So that I can make prayer my constants. So that I can make presence 
my constant. What, when everything's falling apart, what do I do? I praise. What do I do when everything just feels like it's coming to pieces? I pray. What do I do when I can't make sense of the world? I get in the presence of God and I say, I'm not leaving this moment until I know that you're covering me, that you're surrounding me, because it's in the presence of God that I get changed, that my life is changed, and that, that I learn the God of the victory is still with me. I might not be experiencing victory. I might not be overcoming right now, but if praise is my constant, if prayer is my constant, I just keep coming back to that place and I say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Once again, here I am, Lord. I can't make sense of what's outside that cave opening, but I know right here, this is where you are. I know right here I get peace. I got a word for somebody today. You got to contend for peace. You got to contend for that atmosphere of your home. I want to speak prophetically to somebody. There is all kinds of craziness happening, but you better find the place and contend for that atmosphere. If in your home, you, my wife has done amazing all of our lives. She contends for peace in our home. Do we have arguments? Yep. But we don't let that reside in our atmosphere. We don't let those words, there are ways, somebody's going to hear this, a pro tip, there are ways we don't talk to each other. There are things we don't say to each other. This is what I'm teaching my children. I might not like what you did, but I don't talk to you that way, and you don't talk to me, and we don't talk to each other that way. Why? Not because it's some sort of moralistic rule. It's because I'm contending for an atmosphere. I don't want that kind of tainted, nasty, hateful attitude because the enemy's looking for a door into my house, and I'm like, nope, not coming in. Nope, not coming in. Nope, not coming in. I'm going to let my play of presence be protected. I'm going to contend. When I'm in the cave, I'm contending for the environment around me. And I'm, I'm going to keep all those other things at bay. I'm not going to walk in and say everything is going wrong and I hate life. Do I have bad days? You better believe it. But just like Elijah, when I have that moment where I say I wish for my life to be dead, God comes down and he said, get into the cave. And I'm bringing you water and I'm bringing you bread and you're going to be just fine. You don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to you, but you get back to that cave. And you stay in there. You take, the, you take the cake out of the oven too soon, it's, it's undone. Some of you need to stay in. I don't know who this is for, but you got to get back in the cave and stay there. You know how you know when that is? When they come out all nasty and angry and bitter, you just need to say, go on back in the cave. You ain't ready to talk to me yet. Husbands and wives, just tell your spouse, you ain't ready to talk, go on back in the cave. Am I right? Yes. When you got that bitterness stirring up on the side of you, you got that discouragement, your confession is everything's going wrong and you can't see one good thing happening, you need to go back to the cave because you're not done. You're not done. You came out too early. Unbaked. I feel like that's going to help somebody. It helped me. You got to contend for the atmosphere of your home. If you're online today, you have to fight for that atmosphere and say, listen, it's not going to be uh, perfect. I live in an imperfect world. I'm an imperfect person, and our home is not perfect. But I'm contending. My wife and I made a covenant that we will contend for that atmosphere, and we will make that place a place of prayer, a place of praise, and a place of presence. That's it. 
Go to the hiding place. Find the cave and stay there. Number two, remember that the shaking is working for you and it's working in you. The shaking in your life is working for you and it's working in you. I I love this verse. Look back at verse 11. That you can read that whole process that, that Elijah's inside the cave, and the first part says that the wind and the earthquake and the fire began to shake, and the stones around began to break. That, that's, a, that's a picture. That's a picture that when you're inside the place of, of formation, when you're inside the dark place, the deep places of God, there's shaking going on around you, but it is breaking apart some of the systems that have kept you bound and locked up for years. You can't curse the shaking when the shaking actually is tearing down strongholds that used to keep you bound up. It's tearing down systems. Let me go into your world. It's taking out relationships that are keeping you bound up instead of letting you live in the new address where you're going. God will shake things around you to move you from a place. You say, well, I love that place. It was so wonderful. Things were so going so good. I had such a dream, and I feel like God gave me the dream. Let me tell you something. God will put a dream in your heart to move you down the road, but when he changes it, we have to learn to say, I don't understand it, but I'm reading the moment, and I'm saying, God, you're breaking up some things because obviously you're moving me to a new place. I realize in this season, it's my my job to understand why God is doing it, but just to see that's what God's doing. It's not my job to determine and explain to myself or anybody else why God did it, but why God did what he did. I found such relief and contentment just to say, "Mm mm-hmm, that's what God did. Now, I'm not saying that God... God went in and caused those things to happen. What I am saying is that in God's sovereignty, he is using all those things to move me to the place where he wants me. That God is not surprised by this moment and that he is taking me from one thing to the next thing. So I'm just saying, God, that's what you did and that's okay. Because I have to believe in me that even my greatest dream and imagination pales in comparison to what God has planned for my life. The shaking is working for me. God's breaking out things. He's breaking up things that I otherwise would not have let go of. Somebody needs to hear that today. It symbolizes the tearing down of those systems, those environments that have kept you in prison. Some of you lost a job. You you don't know why. I mean, maybe it was something that you did or maybe it was something that needs to happen, but God has something for you, but you need to understand sometimes you won't walk away from one thing until you lose the last thing. So confess today that the shaking is working for me and it's working in me. Elijah's in this cave and there is a a falling of of stones, there's a a fire, there's an earthquake, and there's a storm, and he's seeing all this stuff, and, and in it, he's being reminded that God is in control of these incredible events. And if God is the God of the fire, if, he's, if he gives voice and controls the fire, if God controls the shaking in the earth, and if God can speak to the winds, then he can take care of my life too. And so I'm getting into, I'm positioning myself in the cave and saying, Lord, I don't know why you're doing what you're doing, but I believe you're working for me, not against me. 
And now I'm asking you to work in me in a way that the victories could never have done. The times when everything were going great and I was on cloud nine, it could have never formed me like this moment right here. So I'm just on my knees and I'm saying, God, form me inside in a way that nothing else ever could. And here's the last thing. Our worship team will come. I want to share this with you. This, this is a, it's a funny story. This is Mr. Felix. He's let me borrow this. My friend Felix, let me borrow this. It's from Israel. It's a, it's a, a traditional Jewish Hebrew cloth. So if I mess it up today, I've got to go to Israel to get another one. That'd be expensive. So I'm going to take care of it today. You can't get this at Walmart. Okay. That's all I'm saying. When, when you're in a season, Elijah's in this season and he is, he's struggling. So, so you, you read this Old Testament stories and you hear about the mantle. You hear things like about the mantle being released from Elijah to Elisha. Or you hear about them, them wear, they're, they're having their prayer cloth. Elijah's, Elijah's prayer cloth or his covering was, was rather, it's rather famous. And he used it to slap the water, the Jordan, as they crossed over and the water parted. And then it goes down to Elisha afterwards. And then Elisha says, I'd like a double portion. And God grants that as Elijah's taken into heaven. And, and, and then he, Elisha comes back and he slaps the water again and it's, it's broken apart. And, and so the Bible says that, that Elijah is scared for his life and God leads him through the desert into the place of the cave. And in that time, in that season in the cave, he experiences the tensions of shaking. He experiences the earthquake he experiences the fire. He experiences the wind. But the Bible says that Elijah, God says for Elijah to do something. He says, take that, that covering on your life and I want you to cover yourself with it. Third thing you have to do, you, you know, first, first you go to the place of presence. And secondly, you, you, you know that the presence of the shaking is working for you and in you. And the third thing you need to do is you need to wrap yourself in the grace of God. Cover your face in the grace of God. Get on your knees in the place of God and say, God, I'm, I'm hiding myself in your grace. I don't, it's not about me today. It's not about what's going on in my life because the purposes of God are bigger than what I realize. And so instead of trying to manage this moment, instead of trying to dictate what's going on, I'm going to take the cloth, the grace. Let me say something to you. There is something that God's been developing in you through the process that he is bringing out of you in the process, in the shaking. And it's your job to say, Lord, what is that thing? And so what I've learned to do is I've learned to say, God, I'm going to wrap myself in the anointing of my life. I'm going to get covered and I'm just going to lean in toward what you're doing. I'm going to lean towards the voice. The Bible says that in, in chapter, 19, chapter 19, like towards the end there, verses 12, 11, 12, 13, that he covered himself in his cloth. He covered himself in his coat and he heard a voice and the Bible says he wrapped himself and he moved toward the door. There's a part of your life that you're struggling with. There's a, there's a season in your life you can't make sense of. When you contend for the presence of God and you get in the presence of God, you cover yourself and you realize that God is for me. Who can be against me? You listen, you let the shaking stop. You let, the, you let all the loss and all the things that are falling apart, all the things you can't explain, you just let them work on their own. You realize that the tension, God might not be in them, but he's speaking to you through them. 
See, if Elijah didn't have the fire and the earthquake and the shaking and the wind, he wouldn't have been able to hear the whisper. Somebody needs to hear this today. There's a season in your life where it's been displacement, it's discouragement, and this thing is happening and that thing is happening. God is saying, listen up. I'm about to speak to you. The whisper of God is coming. So I want you to clothe yourself in your grace, and I want you to go to the opening of the door because I'm about to whisper to you the word that I'm sending in this season. You're struggling you don't know what to do. You don't have answers. I'm here to tell you today, this is the word that God's given me for you and for those online. Whatever it is you're fighting over, I want you to clothe yourself in the presence and the grace of God. And I want you to move toward the opening door. God's not left you alone. He's not forgotten about you. He's given you a way through, not a way out. And here's what you're going to need, church. You're going to need a word. You're going to need a word. You're going to need God to say something, something that you can hold on to when it's hard. And you're going to need a word, but it's coming in a whisper. And so today, what I'm doing in my own life is I'm getting up and I'm walking towards the cave, cave opening. And I'm saying, God, what are you saying? I want to hear your voice today. If that's you today, I want you to stand up. I want everybody to stand to your feet. I feel like God's speaking to somebody today about leaving the place of your desperation and getting in the cave of formation. So why don't you lift your hands right where you're at. God, I'm asking for a grace, a new grace to cover this church, a new grace to flow all over you. I just see all over the congregation, people just covering themselves in praise, covering themselves in worship, letting the grace of God just hide you right now. As you begin to cry out to him, somebody's desperate online. You're desperate, Lord, show me the way. I'm just here, God, saying, cover yourself, wrap yourself in my presence and move toward the open door because I'm about to speak a word. I'm speaking a word. God is enough. God is enough. Come on, worship team. We're going to worship our way right into a breakthrough right now. Somebody's not leaving this place without hearing a word that you can hold on to. Jesus. Maybe you need to make your way out of that seat and come to this altar. We don't need an official prayer offering except you need to get out from your seat and get on your knees right here in this altar and say that's me i'm covering myself right now god deliver me through um, there are people coming right now you need to come with your family maybe your whole family get on your knees right here and say god i'm getting to the place of presence circumstance come on people are coming oh, there's a presence here today there's a breakthrough here today
Say it, come on. Come on, sing that your name. in the altar, just keep praying. If you're a prayer partner, I want you to come to the front and make yourself available. Because I, I, I just know that there is a, a, a deep cry today. There are people who just say, I can't hear or see, or I don't even know where God is. But you need somebody to come in agreement with you in your prayer place, in your cave. And, that, and those pastors and leaders, you can come and pray with those at the altar. But if you see a prayer partner up here and you know that's you, I want you to respond right now. Don't leave today just fighting on your own. You need a, an agreement today. If you're online, we want to pray with you. We want to pray and agree with you that God is leading you through the t season of formation and he's speaking a word over your life. So Father, I bless your people today as they respond in faith. We seal what you have done in Jesus' name. We can't explain it, but we just receive it. And we know that it is good and that it is enough because you're enough. 
in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to respond. If that's you, come to this altar. God bless you. Thank you for joining this church. For those of you who are dismissed today, we just make a space right now for the work of God right here in these altars. Come on, Jesus, do your work.